From the studios of Advancing Vibrant Communities in Modesto, California, this is Lighthouse Live Radio on the Lighthouse Live International Podcasting Network. Welcome to Lighthouse Live, the radio voice of advancing vibrant communities. Our mission is to motivate believers to move out from the four walls of the church to personally serve the needs of their neighborhoods. Get ready for a no-holds-barred, honest look at the Christian lifestyle the way Christ commanded it to be. All that and more coming right up here on Lighthouse Live. And good evening to you, wherever you may be. Welcome to Lighthouse Live. Pastor Mike Douglas uh, here with you. And uh, our welcome to many of you around the world, wherever you may be, even the places that we can't even pronounce. Great to uh, great to have you with us. And uh, we want to, this is our, uh, what, second or third broadcast of 2010. Yes. And mm-hmm. unbelievable, hard to believe we're here already. Uh, again, we uh, thank you for being with us. And a little bit later, we're going to be introducing you to some new friends here at Advancing Vibrant Communities, Lisa and Greg Car- uh, Carter. We're going to be uh, talking to them in just a couple of minutes. And uh, by the way, we uh, want to remind you, with 2010, we, we really encourage you to participate in what we call the Servant's Dozen. Mm-hmm. The Servant's Dozen. This is real easy. All right, once a month, okay, that's 12 times a year, the Servant's Dozen. Yeah, once a, just once a <laughs> month. Works Mr. Out that way. Yeah, Mr. Al here is looking at that. He says, I think I can do that, Mr. Yeah. Al, the, our predecessor, the inimitable Mr. Owl, is contemplating this right now. The Servant's Dozen, you know, serve just one time a month, 12 times a year. Oh, yeah. R- only, yeah, you just serve one and recruit someone to go with you and serve 12 times a year, once a month. And you know what? It would be a really great thing for us if the third part of that thir- uh, servant's dozen is if uh, you would also give uh, 12 times a year, once a month to AVC. So serve once a month, recruit someone to go with you once a month to serve and give once a month. And I'll tell you what, that'll keep the connections engine going here at ABC. We connect between uh, 2,000 to 3,000 volunteers every year with opportunities to serve and to uh, love your neighbor as yourself. So thank you for partnering with us. And for those of you around the world, uh, internationally, we encourage you to go outside the four walls of your homes and churches, wherever you may, wherever you may be, and uh, connect with those in need, just like Jesus did when he, uh, when he walked this earth. Well, we'll be uh, introducing you to our guests in just a minute right now. Let's check with our friends from Voice of the Martyrs. What will people be when they hear that I'm a Jesus freak? What will people do when they find that it's true? Hey, what's up? This is Michael Tate with the story of another real-life Jesus freak. Sihei Talisa spends almost the entire decade of the 1980s in jail. Ethiopian communists beat her and hang her upside down, the skin hanging off her body. She spends more than a year in a completely dark cell with 61 other prisoners. There is no room to sit or to lie down, so she stands on broken bones and human waste. Sihei loses her sight, but her faith remains strong. She even pities her torturers, because they are the ones who are truly blind. Sihei sees Jesus every day, standing alongside her, even in the dark, rancid, crushing prison cell. She knows he is there. 
How do you respond to the voice of the martyrs? Go online to persecution.net. You know, friends, uh, we we academically read the admonitions in Scripture to persevere. You know, as our friend uh, Pastor Roger Bryles says, uh, to stay with the stuff. Mm-hmm. And you know, that's uh, that's really just a, a wonderful, wonderful picture there. And you think how easy we have it here in the United States of America. You know, we can have these mm-hmm. uh, podcasts. We can meet freely uh, on Sundays or Saturday nights or, you know, Wednesday nights, whenever you meet for uh, your worship, but yet around the world, uh, believers are, are being persecuted uh, for their faith. And uh, so we really need to take advantage of the freedoms that God has given us to get outside the four walls and connect uh, with the lost and uh, to show them the love, grace, and compassion of Jesus Christ. And again, uh, we encourage you uh, to make that something that you are committed to as a lifestyle, not just something we check off on our list right. right at Christmas time or at Thanksgiving, but something that we're committed to year-round because God will use that to uh, sow seeds uh, of the kingdom through you in a very powerful way. Speaking of uh, very powerful ways, let's check in with Brad Dacus in the Pacific Justice It's Institute. time for The Legal Edge, a look at your rights as a Christian, a parent, and a citizen. And now with a look at what's happening on the legal front, the president of the Pacific Justice Institute, Brad Dacus. Pacific Justice Institute is representing Loveland Church in Victorville, California, seeking an ordinance change. After leasing a local movie theater on Sunday mornings for two years, the theater informed the church that city zoning does not allow churches to occupy movie theaters. The theater chain, National Cinemark, rents to scores of churches nationwide, unfettered by local officials. PGI has won a 30-day extension of the eviction date and is presenting the federal laws which protect freedom of assembly. Once more, ignorance has led to violations of our constitutional rights to freedom of religion. I'm Brad Dacus. To find out more about The Legal Edge, call 916-857-6900 or log on at pacificjustice.org. And we're back with you live here at Lighthouse Live, Pastor Mike Elaine, and some very special guests on the way in just a moment. Let's take a look at the Volunteer Center of the United Way, an opportunity for you to get out there and volunteer. Got your golf clubs ready? I don't know. You know, they they pay me not to. (laughs) Well, the first tee of Modesto, where you can tee it up with time and be a positive influence in the lives of youth ages 7 to 17 with the learning life skills through golf program. Now, the program offers life skills instruction, clinics, rounds of golf, and outings to benefit over 3,000 Stanislaw County area youth each year. Six-week clinics will be held between February and October on Tuesdays through Thursdays from 4 to 6 p.m. and Saturdays from 9 to 1 at the Modesto Municipal. That's, that's the easy word. for you to you say. You know, that. that's a hard word to say, but we'll, we'll get off. I think you know, all the golfers know where that's at, right? You can tell I'm not a golfer, but anyway. Uh, volunteers interact with kids during icebreaker skill games, and they accompany youth playing nine holes of golf teach specific golf skill focus for the day, kind of help out with skill testing and participate in wrap-up games. No special skills are needed. Now that's down my alley. My right alley there. too, Pastor Mike, and it's not necessary to know how to play golf, so I don't know about well, that. Well, that is right down my alley. Interested yes, volunteers are asked to attend uh, one of the following program trainings. On They have one on Saturday, February 20th. Uh, one on Tuesday, the 23rd of February, and Thursday, February 
5th, and all trainings will be held in Modesto. Volunteers must be at least 18 years of age, uh, complete a background check, and the mission of the First Tee of Modesto is to impact the lives of young people by providing learning facilities and educational programs that promote character development and life-enhancing values through the game of golf. And you just may want to join an enthusiastic and interesting group of docents who keep the McHenry Mansion open for visitors. Mr. Al's interested in this one. Volunteers, ages. Your aunt has one. All right, get this man a microphone, will you, please? <laughs> Volunteers ages 18 years and older learn about our local history, uh, become knowledgeable about the late Victorian period, meet new friends, and enjoy numerous social events and yearly trips uh, while serving the community. Volunteers also attend monthly meetings and uh, attend interesting programs, participate in 14 service obligations per year scheduled at their convenience, and they attend 16 hours of docent training. Those interested are asked to uh, attend training series on Wednesday mornings uh, beginning January 27th. That's coming up soon. Owned and operated by the city of Modesto and accredited by the American Association of Museums, the McHenry Mansion is a historical site that is open to the general public for tours and is the site of many weddings, receptions, and special events. This is an opportunity to meet lots of people, so there's something for everyone. And uh, there's the Sutter Gould Medical Foundation where you can provide health care services to the community. Uh, volunteers ages 16 years and older are needed to greet, assist, and direct patients at the front desk and throughout the facility, serve lunch, interact with and see patients, uh, comfort and direct patients at the front desk and throughout the facility, um, serve lunch, interact with and see patients uh, in the oncology department, uh, read to children in pediatrics, provide clerical support to administration, human resources, uh, physician services departments as needed. Flex flexible scheduling is available weekdays. Uh, training is also provided there. And with questions and more info on these opportunities, our dear friend, Barbara Borba, is at 209-524-1307, extension 113. Uh, or her email is at bborba at uastan.org, and she would love uh, to hear from you anytime. Great person there. And here at ABC, we need wheelchairs. Mm. You would not believe the number of wheelchairs. So if you have one and you'd like to donate it, or if you know of someone who has one, please let them know that there is a tremendous need for wheelchairs. Hospital beds, electric scooters, we need them big time. Friends, ABC donates household belongings to those who do not have such things as beds, refrigerators, sofas, dressers, kitchen tables and chairs. We deliver those things. We even pick up the items and take them uh, where they need to go. We do ask, though, that they be in clean, workable condition. Uh, kind of love your neighbor as yourself is our mission and our rule of thumb. That's our desire here. So if you resonate with us on that, give us a call at 209-544-9571, and we will definitely make those connections. Can you tell the story? You know, if, if we just are available, God can do some amazing mm. things. Can you tell the story about the hospital bed? Oh, you know, last me? just this last week, uh, a man named, uh, we'll call him Francisco, that is his name. <laughs> well, he, that's a good name to use then. Well, yeah. he has a wife named Patricia, and we'll call her that too. <laughs> he called and, and said that he needed a hospital bed. 
And so uh, shortly thereafter, a lady named Lois called, and she had a hospital bed to donate. So we, uh, we made that connection. The thing of it is, is Patricia, 33 years old, was in a car accident and paralyzed. And she was told that she'd probably be paralyzed for life. And they had two uh, children, preteen. And um, it was just an incredible story. Our furniture friends, Dan the man, uh, Dave and, and Leonard and Ken, this bed was delivered. And it was just a blessing all the way around. Patricia was in tears as she shared with them that she now had a reason to live. And it just blessed the socks off the family who received the bed, Patricia particularly, but also the volunteers who delivered the bed. And it was just a blessing to all of us because the family called ABC here at the office and we got to receive the call. And it was just very heartwarming because these kinds of things happen here at Advancing Vibrant Communities. And, and dear friends, listening here locally, around the world, wherever you happen to be listening, and we thank you for that. That's why this ministry exists, mm -hmm. is to reach out and be Jesus with skin on to people who wouldn't otherwise receive these resources. And it's just a thrill. Thank you, Pastor Mike, for uh, allowing us to share that. That's just, that's just one of the reasons why we're here. You know, and, and one of the things you mentioned is so important. If you have something to donate, we ask you to make sure that it's clean mm. in workable condition. You know, and I, I, I ask people when they call, I know you do too, that, you know, somebody will call and say, oh, I've, I've got a, a bed that I can donate. You need a bed. I said, great. Is it in the condition that you would like to receive it? And you hear the silence. <laughs> well, I said, well, no, let, me, let me put it this way. If Jesus showed up at your door and you needed a bed and he brought the bed that you're going to donate, mm. Would, would it be what he would give to you? Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. So, remember, we are representing Christ to the people that uh, that we're serving. And so we just ask you to make sure that mm -hmm. whatever you're donating, donating, whether it's a refrigerator or a bed or a sofa, whatever it might be, that it be in clean working condition because you are representing Christ as, uh, as that is being delivered. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, not long ago, we had the extreme privilege and pleasure to meet a dynamic duo. <laughs> and as we heard their story, and in the world of Christianity, we refer to it as hearing their witness or their testimony. We just felt compelled to have them as our special guest here on Lighthouse Live so that they could share their story and bless all of you listening out there. And my goodness, uh, we just... In places that we couldn't, I think Pastor Mike said we can't spell or, or pronounce some of the places where, where you're listening. But we want to introduce and a big warm welcome now to Lisa and Greg Carter. Thank you so much, you guys, for joining us tonight here on Lighthouse Live. Thank you so much for having us. It's a real honor to be able to uh, share our testimony and bring glory to God through ABC. So thank you so much for this privilege. Amen. Well, and, and you know how this meeting yeah. occurred. You know, God just connects dots. You know, but we have to be out there yeah. in order for Him to connect us. And and Greg and I happened to be at a at a meeting together, and uh, he heard about uh, you know what ABC does, and I happened to go because it was a favor to a friend and you know a group that we've spoken to a, a couple of times, and you know we found that there was a, a common interest there, and and God just multiplied that awesome. and uh, did some amazing things. And, and so, you know, we encourage you again, friends, you've got to be outside the four walls in order for God to connect. Absolutely. You have to be in the community making connections. And I, I know, I don't know you real well. I've known you for, you know, maybe a month or two. 
but I sense that networking is, you know, one of your, one of your strengths and, and connecting with people. And it's just so important to be available to allow God to make those connections, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and it really wasn't until, um, my husband actually got really ill. Greg got ill at the beginning of 2008. And prior to 2008, we worked out of our home office and operated our business on our own. We didn't work in an, in an office anywhere else. Um, didn't have a big network, to be honest with you. Um, and it was through that experience of experiencing that illness that God began to take us outside of our four walls and began to bring people into those four walls. And from there, we've just reached out ever since then. So it's been a real blessing. And don't you guys agree that these meetings, like Pastor Mike and Greg meeting, that wasn't coincidence. No. God orchestrates. Like he said, God connects these dots. I believe that. Definitely. I think, Greg, Greg, you believe that too. And I just think it was a wonderful way that God brought the two of you together. I don't remember how many years ago, but you Mm. have a wonderful story. Take us back, Mm. if you will. Well, you know, I will tell you that uh, the woman that is speaking through this microphone today is not the same woman that I used to be prior to 1996. And I truly give the Lord all the glory. And I promised him in 1996 that if given the opportunity that I would, I would share my testimony with as many people as I possibly could. And he has given me that opportunity over and over again. Um... You know, at the age of 16, I, I made a decision that uh, led into other decisions that were, were not of God. And in spite of all those wrong decisions, um, God took me in, in his grace and his mercy in 1996. And I remember um, in 1996 it being a time that was filled with a lot of shame, a lot of guilt, a lot of regret, from decisions that I had made on my own, um, decisions that uh, came to the forefront that I thought, my God, how in the world could I have made the decisions that I've made up to this point? Um, at the age of 16, I gave, I, I actually conceived a child and um, gave birth to my first son at the age of 17, uh, got married. A month after we graduated from high school, uh, my son's father left. And, you know, I don't blame him for that. We were young. We thought we knew it all, and we were just young. And um, as a result of him leaving, I uh, developed a lot of bitterness, a lot of resentment, and a lot of anger for him. And in developing a hard heart, I made other reckless decisions and um, got involved in a few other relationships and... um, had abortions through those relationships. Uh, these were things that I would have never have dreamt in a million years that I would have done. And in 1996, with having all of this come to the forefront, I thought, my God, I could no longer look at myself in the mirror. I, I remember, um, I remember the shame and the guilt being so heavy. Uh, that it, it be, I became fearful of where I was going to spend et- et- for, for eternity. I mean, I began to think about the afterlife and I had, I was introduced to Jesus when I was 13 years old. Okay. So I knew, I knew, but didn't follow, didn't stick with it. And, um, 
I just, I just remember reflecting back on this Jesus that I was introduced to. And I remember spending, I spent a lot of time in God's word in 1996 and began to seek out the word. And, um, uh, it, it, my healing didn't come right away, but I will tell you that in 1996, I had anxiety and I had panic disorder and I had depression so bad that I could not eat or sleep for over three months. And I got all the way down to 60 something pounds and I thought I was on my way out. I went from being very independent, raising my son. Uh, at this point in time, my son was, uh, he was gonna, he's going on eight years old. And, um, I, I had to move back in with my mom and my dad. And that, that's a whole other story because there was, uh, a lot of finger pointing, blaming my mom and my dad for, uh, a lot of the things that I had done. And, uh, in 1996, I saw all those fingers being pointed right back at me. And it was through that that I began to take accountability and responsibility. And it was the night, Pastor Michael, that I remember feeling the need to call my son's father to ask him to forgive me. And uh, I just had this this need. I, I needed to call him to ask him to forgive me for all the anger and bitterness and resentment that I'd had toward him all those years. And I thank God that I acted on that need. It was It was after midnight. I thank God that he answered the phone because it was the one night that I thought that I was going to take my last breath and I was going to leave this earth. You know, when you're 60 something pounds, it, 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 I mean, I felt like I had an elephant sitting on my chest. And for some of the listeners that are listening that might be dealing with anxiety or depression or panic disorder, you know what I'm talking about because the symptoms are very real. But I'm here to tell you that Deliverance might be one act of forgiveness away. And for me, that's what it was. And uh, it was amazing because I remember making that call and my son's father asking me to forgive him. Mm. Amazing. And it was the most amazing conversation. Um, I had asked him, if anything should happen to me, would you please take care of our son? Uh, because he, at that point in time, he did not have a relationship with his son. In fact, his relationship did not begin with his son until after my healing, which is a, another amazing story all in itself. But the night that I got off the phone with my son's father is the night that I said what, what I thought was going to be my last prayer. And it was a very simple prayer. And I just said, Lord, if you're ready to take me, then I'm ready to go. And he did take me. He took me in his arms and he bestowed grace and he bestowed mercy and he took all the anxiety and all the fear and all the depression and filled me with unspeakable joy, peace that surpassed all understanding, um, came into me that night. And I remember hearing, I didn't know what I was hearing at that time, but in going through two years of Bible college, a few years later, um, I heard angels singing. You know, the Bible says that when a soul gets saved, that the angels in heaven rejoice. And I'm telling you, I heard angels singing. I know that I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, they were angels singing. And I remember the tears coming out of my eyes and them hitting my cheeks and them being so warm. And that night, my mom and my dad got up. It was, this was probably close to one o'clock in the morning. They got up 
And the first thing my mother said when she looked at me was, my God, honey, look at our daughter. She's glowing. They saw the manifestation of God take place. Um, you know, I, I wish I could say that, uh, you know, that, you know, poof, the next day it was, you know, it was, it was all good. But you know what? I still had to get up the next day. And was it hard? Absolutely. It was hard. But I got up the next day in faith believing that I had received a touch from God and that my life was never, ever going to be the same from that point on. And every day it was a struggle, but every day that I made the decision and that I stood on his word, it got easier and easier. His grace. Oh, oh my goodness. goodness. Yes. It's life changing. Lisa, what led up to um, that kind of epiphany where you had been dealing with uh, the shame? Uh, you, The enemy obviously was broadcasting to you. Uh, a bunch of lies, mm-hmm. and uh, so so. What was it that brought you to the point? And sometimes we hit, you know, we hit that wall, and yes. God's there <clears throat> at the wall, you know, for us. So what what led up to that? What was going through your mind? Were you were you searching Scripture? Mm-hmm. Uh, were you just kind of just laid out saying, "Okay, God, that's it. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, I I can't do it any anymore." What uh, what what precipitated that? What what led up to that mm-hmm. time? I'm glad you asked, Pastor Michael, because, uh, you know, I was in 1995, I was actually living in Washington State, and I was living with a man in a simple relationship. <laughs> and uh, it was one night I was actually watching television, and I came across a Christian program. Hmm. Wow. And uh, that Christian program um, is, is what was, it was the stepping stone for me beginning to think differently. And there were some words that I heard that just took me back to when I was 13 years old, when I made the decision for Jesus. And I began to think about how I was living my life and how I had, how I was, how I had lived my life up to that point and the importance of actually turning my life around, not just for me, but for my son. And it was in making that decision that all hell broke loose against me. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was after coming to that understanding of saying, I need to get my life right with God. I cannot continue to live this way that I'm living. Um, it was in making that decision that uh, I, one night, it was just one night, I could no longer sleep. I could no longer eat. All form of comfort had been taken from me. And, you know, the, the listeners that are listening to this, you need to understand that sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes when you've spent so much time living in the world and living like hell, when you make the decision to give your life to Jesus, there's going to be a battle that you need to be aware Absolutely. of. There's going to be a battle. But I'm here to tell you that when you make the decision for Jesus Christ and you wait upon the Lord, see, that's the key. You got to wait upon the Lord. You got to wait for that healing. You got to wait for the manifestation of God to take place in your life. When you wait, when you wait, God shows up when you least expect him. And God uses many, many people sometimes to speak into your life just the way he used that and relationships now you had a relationship with greg now let's talk about greg re-entering your life because that was amazing i want to hear about that well i want everybody to hear from my husband but before i turn the mic over to him um my husband greg carter he is the only man that has ever had my heart Uh, in fact, I actually have diaries that I used to keep when I was 14, 15 years old with uh, his name all over them. 
you know, and I would, you know, Lisa loves Greg and, <laughs> and, and, and I would write Lisa Marie Carter and, you know, mm-hmm. I have these diaries still to this day. And he's the only man that has ever, ever, um, given me respect. He's never, he's never taken from me. Um, he's the only man, even at the age of 14, he would look at my, my imperfections, which were big for me. And he would just tell me, oh, that just makes you more unique. And I never, ever, ever forgot him. Um, there was a school dance that he was supposed to go to with me in high school. And the one school dance that he did not go with me to because he wanted to hang out with his friends, uh, it was the one night that I actually met my son's father. Mm-hmm. Um, I will tell you that I am so thankful for U-turns, and God allows U-turns. And in 1996, after the Lord healing me and doing a mighty work in my life, he brought Greg back into my life. And I'm telling you, God's timing could not have been more perfect because looking back, if Greg had come into my life one moment too soon, he may have become my God. And God did not want that. And see, so for those of you that are listening, you might be praying for that for that mate, that, that, that spouse, you might be praying for that child, but I'm here to tell you that if you want that spouse, if you want that child more than you want, want God, God knows that he is not going to bring anything or anyone in your life. If he knows it's going to take priority over him. Mm-hmm. And for me, God knew what he was doing and his way works best. And, um, when God became number one in my life, he brought Greg back into my life and it was, it couldn't have been more than two months after he healed me that we got a call and, uh, honey, why don't you finish the call? Absolutely. The call (laughs) (laughs) that call, (laughs) you know, the one, yeah, I remember that call. Uh, best call I ever made. I tell you, I I made a, a lot of close calls, but that was the best call I ever made. And, it, I was working at the motor company late at night and it, some, somehow you, you just know you got a big empty feeling in your life. You, you got so many things going well, but there's always that missing piece to the puzzle where you just don't feel quite right. You know, Lisa and I went our own separate ways for many years, about seven years. And, uh, I as well got married and, and decided to have a child as well and really, tried to take hold of my own destiny, really tried to make some, some plans that, that looked good in the magazine, but it wasn't my calling. That wasn't where I was supposed to be. And it just fell apart quickly. And I felt completely helpless because I was a round peg trying to fit into a square hole. It just didn't work. And, uh, out of desperation, you know, I, I knew, I worked with close family members and I says, you know, how is that Lisa Galvin? <laughs> and I asked around and it, Lo and behold, I had her phone number in, in relatively short time and called her. I don't know, what was it, 3, 4, maybe 5 o'clock in the morning. It wasn't any later than that. And it was like, I got to see you. And I know that there's a lot of people out there that have been in love, and they don't care what time of day it is. I got to see you. And uh, she uh, acquiesced. She says, you know what? We can have lunch today. Now, it wasn't that quick, though, because if you remember correctly, when you had called, now hold on a minute. Oh, I wasn't that slick? No. When he, <laughs> now, when he called, when he called, he, he was like, Lisa, we need to sit down and have lunch today. I need to see you. Now, the old Lisa would have been quick to say, absolutely, when do we meet? But the new Lisa in Christ said, I'm sorry, I don't have lunch with married men. Amen to that. And we're not going there. 
And he said, well, Lisa, I've been separated for quite a few months, and I'm going through a divorce. And that's when I said, okay, when do you want to meet? <laughs> okay, proceed. <laughs> well, we're going to get the rest of the story here in just a minute, right, Elaine? Yeah, in just a minute. I'll tell you what, our, uh, our musical guest tonight pretty much uh, seeing the story of, of Lisa and Greg, and perhaps it's your testimony too, but here's the group Pocket Full of Rocks and with their song entitled Alive on Lighthouse Live and we'll be back. There was a time I was dead inside You called my name and I tried to hide My heart was dark and so full of shame Full of shame But like the dawning of a brand new day Your love has chased my shame, all that stuff, and you are alive, and you are telling the world who made you that way. Lisa and Greg Carter, along with Pastor Mike and Elaine and Al Ramsey, we are so pleased to have you. Okay, so the story continues. We're back together. You had the lunch. Was it a lunch? So seven years had seven years had gone by. Yeah. Then I'm on the seven. Seven. Seven Complete. again. Mm-hmm. Biblical, mm-hmm. A yes, okay. biblical number. Absolutely. All right, so seven years had gone by, and and uh, you had gone your own ways, and uh, you both had children, and 
And uh, so uh, your your life is a little bit turned upside down, and Lisa's yours yours as well. You make the phone call, and and the interrogation takes place, and <laughs> looks exactly. like it's going to be uh, <clears throat> okay to have lunch together. So what, what happened at that lunch? Exactly. In in relatively short fashion, we had a long history. We've always been best of friends. Mm-hmm. We we just soulmates right from the get go, and we I proceeded cautiously because. I wouldn't tell anybody at the time, but I was scared. I was scared out of my wits. I had the best thing in the world sitting right in front of me, and I didn't want to say or do anything to mess that up. Uh, and on the other hand, too, when you give your whole heart to somebody, you you don't do that lightly, and you don't want to rush in too quick. And so we spent about three months of, of courtship, and albeit it, it wasn't, you know, the idea of courtship, but it was the best I knew how to do at the time and in, in trying to be a good representation of a good man for her. And uh, I tell you, I'd never been so scared in my life to, to tell her that I loved her because I knew that was going to seal the deal. And I had to do it in a special way. I had to let her know that, you know what, I'm still the old Greg. I'm the, I'm actually even better than then. I'm all grown up now. I'm responsible. and I'm ready to serve you. I'm ready to be with you the rest of my life. I want to give you my all. And you can't just say it like that, drop down on one knee and what have you. So I went out, and I bought the perfect card for her. Thank God for Hallmark. (laughs) (laughs) They love you. (laughs) And and on the very cover of the Hallmark, it had a bunch of little daisies on the front. And it says, he loves you, he loves you not, he loves you. And then you open the card, and it says, he loves you, he loves you, he loves you. And uh, that card said it all. And I needed her to know from the, the highest hilltops that I loved her and I wanted to be with her the rest of my life. And I bet she still has that card. I do. Oh, of course. Amongst yeah. many, many others. <laughs> yeah, he, um, you know, when I, I'll never forget that card. Um, when I opened it up, he had handwritten, I love you so many times that it filled up the entire inside mm. of that card. <laughs> and it was, it was exactly what I was waiting to hear. Um, because we did wait three months before we even, you know, took our relationship to that level. And we had to be careful because I had, you know, we had children involved. Mm-hmm. I had my son and he had his daughter. Uh, my son is now 21 years old and his daughter is, is now 19 years old. And together we now have Noah and Sarah. Noah is 12 and How Sarah's cool is 11. That? You guys don't yes. look like you have children. Yes. You, really you guys do. aren't that old. No. Give me a break. You, you know, no hey, way. that's what Jesus no. does. No. He keeps Amen. you young. Amen. He you keeps All you right. young. All that's right. right. <laughs> I will tell you this, though. Um, our first fight was over Jesus. Oh, I remember that. Well, c- explain that, if you will. <sighs> I was trying to share with him about the amazing work that Jesus had done in my life mm-hmm. and how how I wouldn't even be here if it weren't for Jesus. I mean, I remember having this conversation with him in the car in front of a grocery store. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I began to share with him how um, Jesus set me free from so many things. And if you could just know him, you know, just basically just witnessing to him. And he cut me off. He cut me off and he said, you listen here, lady. I don't want to hear anything about this Jesus. Do you hear me? You keep that relationship to yourself. I'll love you. But that whole Jesus thing, you keep it to yourself. You want to add to that? You actually did that pretty good. (laughs) It was woman, 
<laughs> I don't want to hear another word about that God stuff. I had it crammed down my throat ever since I was a young child, and I don't want to hear it anymore. I want. I knew I was going to spend the rest of my life with her. I just didn't want to spend the rest of my life listening to her preach to me and point to me. And as strong-willed and as accomplished as she is, I'd never seen so much confidence to where she just did not respond. And she took it to the Lord, and God told her, I've got him. Mm. I've got him. And he did. That's exactly what God told me. I, I left that conversation. I said, I've got to go. And I left that conversation, drove my car to a, a parking lot, a vacant parking lot, and just cried out to God. Mm. And my conversation with God that night was, Lord, you know how much I love him, but I love you more. And I will leave him right now. I will not take another step. Just tell me what you want me to do. And I just had this overwhelming sense of peace just come over me again. And it was like, mm. it's okay. I've got this. And I've got him. And um, I just put my trust in God. And, you know, mm. I will say that I was not the most perfect wife. And I take no credit at all for my husband's salvation. God did it. Amen. He just used me as a as a vessel mm -hmm. here and there, and where I came up short, God made up the difference. So, Greg, what uh, what did God do after that conversation? Yes. I, yes. Lisa got the word from the Lord that it's right. I got him. <laughs> I, I've got him in the crosshairs. Tell us uh, tell us how that uh, how that rolled out. Well, going going forward, she was very uh, I wouldn't say quiet and submissive, but she was. <laughs> She was the perfect wife. She really was. She loved me and she supported me and she was she was there for me. And really it was a radio program and a television program that uh drew me in. Uh I grew up watching the old TV evangelists with the big hair and the and the, the ugly suits and that really turned me off. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's why we're on radio. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was scared to death. I was scared to death. And even today, they got some pretty scary programs out there. Yeah. But it wasn't until the message that related to me penetrated my heart. I, I had about an hour, about three hours a day on the road commute. And um, I believe it was Dr. James Dobson's program, Focus mm -hmm. on the Family. Mm -hmm. Always came across, and I didn't grow up in the ideal home with, with loving parents that loved and prayed for me on a daily basis. I pretty much raised myself. I didn't have any supervision. And so when my children were born, something came alive in me, and I made a commitment. I looked at my Brittany when she was born, and first thought was, did I do that? Mm -hmm. And then it, a reassuring, settling feeling came upon me. It says, yes, you did. That's the best of you, and now you need to give her your all. And I really became a man that day. I realized that I wasn't going to live for myself anymore. And so my, my testimony is I am the man I am today because of the women in my life, my oldest mm. daughter and my mm. wife. And when that radio program came over and taught me how to be a better father, how to be a better husband, how to raise children that were responsible and were going to affect their community in a positive way, man, I was all ears. I just didn't know that there was a Bible that went along with that little instruction booklet. And I wasn't the sharpest tool in the shed. I didn't figure it out until they had me hook, line, and seeker. I was maybe about three months into the program, and then I figured out, oh, 
This is what the Bible says. Mm. And the only thing more important, well, I wouldn't say more important. The only thing that gets my attention quicker than, than my kids would be my money. And uh, a preacher on TV stopped me dead in my tracks. I used to make fun of this guy on a daily basis. And he stopped me dead in his tracks. And he says, the Bible says that you should be prosperous. And the Bible talks more about money than any other subject. And that just spun my world around. I didn't know how to react. Now I'm hooked on two programs. And so I really had a progressive realization of who God is and more importantly, who God is inside of me. And I grew to love him. I grew to depend on him for everything. And I really developed a relationship that has served me uh, immensely well over the years. You, you hear Lisa talk about being delivered from that crushing fear. Well, we've got a long history, and, and I truly know that God has delivered her from fear because we face some scary stuff over the years. Sure. You know, uh, Eugene Peterson and his uh, translation called The Message, and I'm, I know you all are familiar with this, either King James Version or NIV, uh, in Matthew 11, right at the end of that chapter. But let me give you Eugene Peterson's take on this because it, mm. as you were talking, Lisa, and as you were talking, uh, Greg, it just kind of hit my mind, man. This is this is what Jesus is saying. Here, here's Peterson's paraphrase. He says, "Are you tired, mm. worn out, burned out on religion? Mm. Come to me. Get away and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace." Yes. That beautiful. Yeah. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Mm. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't yeah, that wonderful? Oh, I love that. A lot of grace yes. that you experience. You know, we, yes. Dr. Jim Henman uh, yes. spent a couple of weeks with us here the mm-hmm. first of the year, and, and you know, we're often talking about the fact that if we present grace alone mm. or truth alone, Neither one serves well, but God has a way of intertwining those. Amen. You know, to to combine grace and truth to create uh, incredible impact upon our uh, upon our lives. And I, I can just see this. I can see Jesus rolling this verse out in both mm-hmm. of your lives as as you're giving us this uh, this particular testimony. I think the other thing that's the significant, and uh, Elaine, as we're listening to this, look how powerfully God used the media. In your lives, Lisa, you talked about a, a television program that yes, that you saw, and Greg, you're talking about yes. uh, radio and and television, you know, and and there's a lot of junk. There, there really is. But man, God can use that powerfully. He's can used he? some powerful things in your lives, and and one of the things, if if you could just hit on a little bit, because. You're still learning. Isn't it amazing mm-hmm. how we, we continue to learn as you journey together? Because I love how you, you, you are on this journey together. Because another thing that our, our, our wonderful Dr. Jim teaches us is that we are becoming in yes. Christ. <clears throat> and you're becoming together. But you learn some, some valuable lessons. And, and Lisa shared this so beautifully with me recently about how uh, love and respect has played a huge part in your relationship. Can you share that with our listening audience just a little bit? Absolutely. And um, I will tell you that uh, my husband and I, we have developed unconditional love for each other Mm -hmm. and unconditional respect for each other. But 
I'm here to tell you that it wasn't always like that. And in fact, we just arrived in loving each other and respecting each other like that um, just recently. Yeah, what time is it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know, um, my husband and I went through um, what became the hardest 18 months of our life. When he got ill, um, we basically were in a position to where we had to give our home on the hill, five-bedroom, three-bath home to the bank. We had to give investment properties that we had acquired back to the bank. We had to basically start all over, and this all occurred between 2008 and 2009. Mm. And in August, now that's two people that love the Lord with their whole yes. heart, serve Him, and listen to Him, and yes. pray. The rain falls on the just and the unjust. Absolutely. That's right. So if if you're out there and you're going through the same thing, I'm telling you, just wait upon the Lord, wait. And he will bring victory back into your life. And for my husband and I, that's exactly what he did. Um, in fact, in August of 2009, which was not too long ago, um, we had reached a breaking point. And um, we were we got into a, a nice little argument that escalated. And at the end of that argument, he looked at me and he said, Lisa, I know you love me, but you don't respect me. And ladies, I'm here to tell you that you need to start respecting your husband right where he's at. Um, it will change your life. Uh, for me, I had placed conditions on that level of respect for my husband and God revealed that to me and it was not, it was not good. Um, when let's, let's be honest with that. Yes. Uh, and, and I'll tell that story. Um, there's a lot of men out there that are scared and we as men, we don't admit to that fear because we're out of job. We're not earning up to our potential. We're, we're, we're broke. We're destitute. We're poor in spirit. Mm -hmm. And we really don't know where to turn. We're not hearing God telling us, giving us the, the paint by numbers instructions on what to do next. And, and they're afraid. So I wasn't living up to my expectation as a protector and a provider. And that was a huge weight to bear for my wife as my helpmate. And so uh, I'll admit it that I, I was not, I, the money was not there. And that really rocked our security world. Yeah. And w when you have a little money in your pocket, you, you feel respectable. You, you walk a little bit taller, but you know what? It's not about money. That's right. It's not about money. It should never be about money. Um, you know, from, from 2008 to 2009, for 18 months, we were actually living with my mom and my dad. Thank God for the mamas out there. Thank God for the parents. Thank God for family. Thank God for close <clears throat> friends. You know, thank God for support. Uh, because had it not been for them, uh, we, we would have been out on the streets. And which is what a lot of families, good families, are, are experiencing right now. I mean, times are tough everywhere. Uh, but, you know... When, when Greg and I realized that our love was not where it needed to be and our respect for each other was not where it needed to be, um, we uh, came into agreement. And it didn't happen immediately. It probably took us about 24 to 48 hours. We needed that cooling off period of time. Uh, but we did come back together, and uh, we cried, and we talked, and we just got into agreement. And, you know, God is in agreement. You know, when two or more gather, he is there in the midst. And God was definitely there in the midst. And it was amazing because that Sunday, when we went to church together, our pastor at, over at Calvary Temple Worship Center announced that he was getting ready to release a love and respect course through Family Life Ministry. And I'm telling you, 
For those of you that are out there that are struggling in your marriage, get the book. It's called Love and Respect. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's by Dr. Emerson Egeritz. It will transform Mm -hmm. not only your marriage, but your children and every relationship outside of your household. It's amazing. And, you know, one of the things that we learned in going through this Love and Respect class, and I thought to myself when I sat there during that first class, I thought, Lord, why couldn't you have brought this into my life? A lot sooner. <laughs> it would have saved us so many arguments. Uh, but, you know, God knows what he's doing. And, uh, you know, one of the things that I learned in this whole love and respect thing was that, you know, uh, one of the things, and this is all based out of Ephesians 533, the Bible instructs us, God's word instructs us, you know, husbands love your wives and it emphasizes, and I want to say emphasize, it emphasizes wives respect your husbands. Notice how it doesn't say ladies, wives love your husbands too. It says, wives, respect your husbands. And for me, that really stood out. And, you know, bottom line, a a, a man needs respect. He needs respect. A woman, she desires to be loved. And if a wife fails to respect her husband, then he ultimately will fail to love her in the way that she needs to be loved. And, and if he fails to love her, then she'll continue to fail to respect him. And it's just this vicious cycle. And what it's called, according to Dr. Emerson Egeritz, is this crazy cycle. And someone has to make the decision to get off that crazy cycle. And for me, for me, I made the decision to get off. And my husband followed. And, you know, you might be a husband, that, that might be listening in that may make the decision to get off that crazy cycle. And I, I, it doesn't matter who makes the decision to get off that crazy cycle. When one person makes the decision, the other one will follow. I want to thank you for your honesty and your transparency mm. and sharing. You know, the uh, Emerson Agerich uh, has been here to Modesto two or three times. Mm-hmm. And in fact, if you look, if you, per- and we encourage it, in fact, when I take couples through premarital now, I make them watch the entire nine uh, DVD course, yes. I mean, or maybe it's five, somewhere yes. between five minutes. I make them watch wonderful. it. This is this is wonderful pearls of wisdom, mm-hmm. and I, I think one of the illustrations he uses is you remember the old. I don't know. Anybody remember Diver Dan? You know. <laughs> All right, everybody over 50 remembers diving. You know, with these bell helmets, you know, underwater, and they had air hoses, you know. They had air hoses. And and what happens is, you know, when when the husband steps on the uh, air hose and and restricts the love going to the wife, she ain't going to give the uh, fuel to the husband of the respect, and vice versa. That's right. You know, if she steps on the respect air hose, he's he's not going to be... You know, meet, meeting uh, those emotional love needs that, that are so much uh, so much necessary. Anyway, what's interesting is if you if you purchase, and I encourage you to yes. uh, purchase the DVDs because he's very entertaining. He's yes. absolutely incredible. And uh, but you'll notice that that was taped here in Modesto. Mm-hmm. And in fact, you've been mm-hmm. around a while. You'll notice, you'll recognize people in the audience. Okay. And Al, I think, was uh, at, at at one of those uh, where, where they were doing the taping. So anyway, a strong Modesto uh, connection there. I just want to affirm, Wonderful. friends, 
uh, with, with Lisa and Greg's testimony here. It's Love and Respect, Dr. Emerson Egrich. And uh, Bible bookstores have, have the book, but uh, also encourage you to get the DVD. It is absolutely, very, absolutely very incredible. Absolutely. I, I do, well, have, I do have one testimony that I'd like to share, and that is this, that when through this curriculum and through getting into agreement, God has blessed us, and he has restored us financially. In fact, in the last three months, we've made more in income than we have in the last two years, and that's God, and he has restored us. We now live in a home. It's looking like we'll be homeowners again in June of this That's year. Can you believe that? I mean, we have bad yes, credit and everything, but you know what? God doesn't care about credit. That's right. It, you know, we, you know, he's we're, not he's scores. not limited by credit scores. So, um, you know, it, we're amazed to see what God is doing in our life. And it's just, it's amazing. We are just rejoice with you. You have been such encouragement to many, many people, uh, through this broadcast, and certainly to us, I'm I'm just very pleased that you're here with us tonight. Thank you. You know, we're we're you know, <clears throat> eternity is eternity. God's time, you know, is but unfortunately, the time He's given us yes. on the air here Aww. is limited. We're bumping the clock just a little bit, but there's two themes. Lisa, you you mentioned several times this evening, waiting upon the Lord. Mm-hmm. You know, and what what you do when God is silent. He doesn't always say, okay, Greg, here's what you need to do. I think you alluded to that a little bit. Sometimes we hear nothing. Mm-hmm. And in our, in our uh, you know, fast food, I'm not knocking dinner tonight no. or anything, but <laughs> in our fast food, then we want immediate re- results. And it, it, was, it was important, wasn't it, to, to wait mm-hmm. until God answered. But it's hard, hard for us in our humanness mm-hmm. to do that, isn't it? Yeah, to wait. it is. It is. Um, I'm, I'm here to tell you that, uh, if you wait, there's so many blessings that come as a result of that. And I've heard so many sad stories over the last couple of years of people taking their lives into their own hands. Mm -hmm. And I know what it's like to have those suicidal thoughts, but I'm here to tell you that if you wait, you just wait, God will show up. Well, we're certainly glad that you showed up tonight here with us here at Lighthouse Live. And dear friends, wherever you may happen to be listening around the world, we're glad that you showed up to listen as well. Thank you for listening, and may God continue to bless your lives.